Someone was like, I barely recognize George without the glasses. Did you see that? What, in, on Instagram? Some, somewhere. I was like, barely recognized him. I'm like, well, okay, it's not like that. That's seven. why I started taking them off. It's like there are seven different hosts that cycle the show. It's not like the, the it's not like Clark Kent, is it? Like, <laughs> yeah. I just, who Super are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the first episode of the year. Yes, 2023. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, full disclosure, we are recording this prior to 2023, as you can imagine, with schedules and timings. Yeah, but we're still going to have a lovely show and I hope you had a great Christmas. Today is actually the day that is the shortest day of the year. Yes. Thank God that it's, that's over. It was now sort of can... like 3.20 and I go, is it dark already? Mm. Uh, now it's only going to get brighter. I mean, we've still got... A good eight weeks yeah, of darkness. Yeah, every time I complain about the darkness, though, that I always have someone who's lived or does live in a Scandinavian country yeah. being like, you have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> okay? Yeah. You have no idea. The summers, crazy. The yeah. winters, also crazy. I've done Iceland in November when mm. the, the, it's pitch black by 4, mm. 4.30. It's kind of interesting. Well, I'm, I, I, a guy recently was telling me about how his sister lives in Finland mm. and... They sirens are on, are on our end if you're driving. Apologies. Yes, they don't usually come through, but they are there. James lives in the absolute den of vice in London. <laughs> so um, uh, his sister lives in uh, Hel- Helsinki, I believe, and uh, he said that he went out there for midsummer, uh, which I- I'm hoping I'm getting that right because midsummer I traditionally think of as a Swedish thing, and if and I, I believe it was this guy who told me this story, and I'm okay. really sorry if I've conflated two different Scandinavian countries. I'm sorry, but anyway, he said that uh, he went out there for midsummer once, and you know how. I think there's almost like a scientific thing that, you know, like dogs and animals, and sometimes people can get very strange at dusk. Yeah. Imagine being, it being dusk for like four or five hours <laughs> yeah. with loads of booze and merriment. That's like crazy. Like, weird vibes. Anyway. It's um, an Ari Aster film. More of that later, actually. Um, but I just wanted to begin because uh, the episode before the episode, that was the last episode. So yeah. before we did the Pop Kitchen Awards, we did the review of Avatar, the way, the, the way, way of, of water. The, the way of the water. <laughs> you got I'm that. an idiot. You got that. Um, and uh, obviously now people probably have had a lot more time to go and see it and, and have their thoughts, etc. Yeah. But I was talking to a colleague the other day about having, they went to see it and they told me about their experience. Yeah, okay. First of all, they were like, oh, don't bother going to see it. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I know my, my James has told me about it. And they were like, it's too long, too boring, etc. Yeah. They went to see it at the Odeon in, I don't know, Hammersmith, somewhere okay. really like Multiplex vibes. Yeah. And she said she went to see it um, and uh, packed cinema. Yeah. And it just, the vibe was so dead. And the, the, the screening began and it was in, it had subtitles, right? Okay. Just the whole screen had subtitles. And she was like, well, Were they fine. in Papyrus? <laughs> no, they were just like regular yeah. English subtitles. And she was like, okay, whatever. I don't mind subtitles. And actually, you know what? As a side point here, mm. sometimes if I'm really struggling with a film, me too. Or struggling, I just put the provided it's not a comedy where it ruins the joke. Yes, which, yeah, yeah, no. I but agree. if you put the subtitles on, honestly, oh, if you're struggling to follow a film with concentration, it helps. With my parents, they're so much more engaged with the film. Oh, totally. you don't get, I don't get it. What's going on? No, I've not thought, no, they get it. And, and actually, you, you actually learn to appreciate the script so much more. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, they do, they, it is a tip to budding screenwriters to watch films with the subtitles mm, on so yeah. you can see the dialogue. Anyway. So that they're watching it, and about eight minutes in, the film just stops. Whoa. And just like the lights come up, and everyone's like, what? 
And then this woman comes walking back in from the audience. She says, yeah, you'll thank me later. I couldn't watch it with subtitles. Ridiculous. What? So this woman has gone outside, complained about subtitles. Whoa. The cinema then stops the film for 10 minutes. Everyone's just sat there. They then put the film back on, wind forward to where they were, and they couldn't even get rid of the subtitles. So what? you've had this real sort of like stop start beginning. I thought I thought it was ridiculous. I've never heard of that. Also, I, aren't subtitle screenings there for a reason? It's yes. not just like some projectionist yeah. pressed the button by accident. Also, like it's not yeah, it's not like it was it was dubbed. It was you can you can work with subtitles. And if yeah, it, it's one thing to go out and say I'm sorry, I really struggle with subtitles. I didn't I didn't pay for the screening. Could you give me my money back and I'll book for another screening? That's one thing. But. Uh, to, to like to ransack speak for everyone in I the know. audience as well, and then and then also she said it was so boring that she saw, um, my friend saw it at um, during the World Cup final, which right, by the okay. way so much more thrilling. Oh my yeah. god, did you watch it? <laughs> Incredible. 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 Yeah. So, oh, I, I imagine listening to this in January this really 2023. Very outdated. This week, yeah. but anyway. Um, but she says some dad was just in the row in front <laughs> watching, watching the wrong I do not and, and it did not bother my friend because the film was so boring. She was like, I can, I totally respect that this guy is wanting to watch the World Cup yeah. final. I, I, people have been, people have asked me, oh, like, have you seen it? I'm like, yeah, and like, should I? And I'm like, no. And I told them it's really, really boring. And people are like, really? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. Of course, we're not, act I mean, I would never actively tell someone to not go to be like restrict their freedom. No, of no, choice. I'm saying like, I can't, of course they can go. I'm yeah. like, I wouldn't personally recommend that you, given yeah, how long it is, yes. I would say don't bother. But they were like, they, they can't believe that it's boring. They, they, they would accept, expect yeah. it to be criticized for a lot of things that we criticize Avatar 1 for. Yeah. I think the surprise is that it's that boring. Yeah. So how's it done like box office wise? Interesting you say. Just well, wanted well, to well, pick up- we're saying this now. I mean, we're by the time people listen to this, it could have taken- That's true. We're recording the week of Christmas, so- but it's still interesting considering um, how it's opening. How it's opening. Gone. But this is how, yeah, this is how Avatar has been doing. Obviously, we all know that there was something going around, but saying that it needed to make two billion globally, <laughs> <Two> billion dollars <laughs> to even break even. But um, as of the week it came out, uh, Avatar: The Way of the Water has. Avatar The Way of Water mm -hmm. has opened to $134 million domestically and $435 million globally. Uh, those are big numbers, mm. uh, just for perspective. So, as reported by Variety, Avatar The Way of Water secured the third biggest global opening weekend during the COVID-19 pandemic, which I'm not sure we're still counting it as COVID-19 pandemic, but anyway. Uh, yeah. And now sits uh, behind only... Uh, I can explain why they thought that. Go on. Because I also saw an article, I think on Variety, that said that actually what has slightly impinged the the box office success of Where the Water is um, the, 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 the there have been COVID outbreaks in China. Oh, fine. And, and successive COVID lockdowns. So that is yes. um, tempering Fair. people's enthusiasm to go and watch this film. So that's why they probably still frame it in the pandemic. That makes sense. Um, and now it sits behind only Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at 442 million and Spider-Man No Way Home's 600 million. God, that film did Doctor well. Strange made a load of money. Doctor Strange made a load of money. I don't know if it's going to... So the thing about Avatar is typically it sustains making money for a yeah. very long period of time. Um, domestically, Avatar Way of the Water, tied with The Batman, is the fifth biggest opening of 2022. Cameron's movies, including Avatar, tend to start a bit slower, as I said, and continue to build up over the following weeks. Uh, 09's Avatar opened to only 77 million domestically before continuing on to earn 760 million in North America and 2.92 billion globally to become the highest grossing movie of all time. 
Uh, it also held the number one spot for a very long time. The sequel, which earned 301 million internationally, will have a tough time reaching new heights of the original film. However, because especially considering it won't be playing in Russia, where the original film grossed 116 million, China is also a huge market. There was a big play in the original success, but the sequel belt fell below expectations there, and its opening brought in only by 57.1, which explains probably explain, yeah, but the COVID thing, the COVID uh, effect. Oh. 62% of all those t- who bought tickets to Avatar 2 went to see the movie in premium formats like IMAX, and globally, the film made 48.8 million in IMAX alone. 62% is big, yeah. considering there aren't that many. IMAX screens. Um, There's enough to make it IMAX's second biggest weekend ever and the biggest for a movie opening in December. Wow. So, look, there are more numbers you can throw out, but I just as a... Just to comment and put a full stop on the Avatar, the Way of Water conversation until we're blessed with Avatar 3 in two years, um, that it has done very well. I think, you know, Russia and China, global political problems aside. aside, it's probably going to do similar numbers. I reckon probably not the same, like all in all, but you're you're looking at a top five of all time. It, I mean, I think. it's got thirteen years to beat. Avatar. Well, yeah, went to. I mean, I suppose it took two years and then went back. Oh, yeah, yeah. re-release. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's clearly been a success, and how far it goes, well, time will tell. I think that's enough for Avatar. I do think we've yeah. had a lot of chat about it recently. It's been a lot. Let's stop looking back at the films of twenty twenty two, James, and let's look forward to the year ahead. Let's do it. So James, everyone, it's 2023. We have a whole new year of films ahead of us to watch. And it's an exciting time. That's an exciting thing to begin yep. a new year and think, right, what have we got to tuck into? Um, I have pulled a list of films that are being touted as the most anticipated films of this year. And it's based on an article, two articles I've drawn from. One is by Cooper Hood from Screen Rant. And the second is from Tim Lowry and the Rotten Tomatoes staff at Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Pulled that together, got a list of interesting films coming through. And I thought we could just run through them and see what's on the menu for this year. How exciting. Here we go. So first of all, well, I'm going to begin with some more um, director, talent focused, independent kind of style pictures. Yeah. Because we've then, done Marvel we've stuff. Done, we've done big ones. I've got some few big ones at the end. But Please we'll, go we'll back to our old episodes where we did five, phases five and six yeah, for and, all of that. Disney's D23 yeah. and stuff. Okay. So to begin with, Ari Aster has a new film out next year mm. called Bo is Afraid. So Ari Aster, director of uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, which we just referenced. Yep. Um, Hereditary, I think we both agree, was really, really quite interesting, powerful, and, and disturbing. Disturbing. very, very disturbing. Midsummer, mm, uh, still think, disturbing. Uh, yes, Burned disturbing into my imagery. retinas, but uh, it lost us. Yes, uh, I think I think it became really, really, really silly, and it became more like, dude, where's my ritual? Can't watch that again. No, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't want to watch Hereditary again, but yeah. I could and get more out of it. But yeah. I, I, I'm not interested in watching Midsummer again. Yeah. Great performance by Florence Pugh, though, and obviously Will Porter and Jack Rain and all that. Yes. But Bo is Afraid is the thrilling combination, it says here, of Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix. Previously known mm. as Disappointment Boulevard, the new movie is um, blends uh, horror and comedy, apparently. A nightmare comedy that spans decade, uh, that spans decades in the life of a successful entrepreneur. Nightmare so look, comedy. Look. Whacking Phoenix, you have me sold. Great. Ari Aster, you have me sold. Together, fantastic. You know, we can already see what he does for actors, whether yeah. it's Tony Collette or whether it's Florence Pugh. So, but I was afraid. No exact release date yet, but uh, it's planning for a 2023 release. The post has been released recently. So hopefully we'd have something that, I don't know, that could come out as late as Halloween next year. It could be earlier in the year, but 
I'm I'm happy to watch Give that. Give me more of the splattering of your disturbed mind <laughs> yeah, on celluloid, and I will consume it yeah. and cry. And yeah. Yeah, for all my misgivings from Midsummer, I would I'm still gonna go see that. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Bo is afraid. Next up, Matthew Vaughan has a new movie. Now Matthew okay. Vaughan is very hit and miss, I think. Yeah. Um you know, Kick Ass was fine, and then one, that's definitely one of those films that when you go back and rewatch, you go, "Oh Jesus!" I think he's done the best X Men movie, X Men first, first Class. Yes, class. I remember you saying you like yeah. that. Um, I've seen the first Kingsman, which I thought was fine. Yeah. I've heard the second Kingsman is uh, awful, uh, totally off for me. And then yeah. I, 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 I did you watch the Kingsman no. with with recent fans? <laughs> no, I didn't. But like that's one of those classic films that came out at the beginning of twenty twenty two. Yeah, just sort of slipped. It did. Out. It really sort of slipped by. Uh, but he's coming back with a film called Argyle, and I mention it because it's Henry Cavill headlining it, and of course he um, did. Man from Uncle Yes, with, with, with Guy Ritchie. Because oh, uh, I know I fell, in, I fell into the same trap of conflating Guy Ritchie oh, and Matthew Vaughan. That's really, it's a Guy Ritchie film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. I didn't mind The Man from Uncle. I haven't seen it. All right, yeah, it's well, fine. It's stylish. Um, so Henry Cavill headlines a new spy movie for director Matthew Vaughan in Argyle. Uh, it's based on an unreleased novel and, uh, you know, uh, returns both Matthew Vaughan and Henry Cavill to the spy genre. It also stars Bryce... Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Samuel L. Jackson, John Cena, Sam Rockwell, and Dua Lipa. Okay. Uh, international Dipping pop sensation. Tony acting well. Argyle. She acted before. Is that a first? Uh, I think it's a first. Wow. Okay. Yes. Uh, Argyle does not have an official 2023 release date, but it's it's being made through Apple TV Plus. Um, but it could be a new franchise. Interesting. Okay. Um, They're popping up more and more. It's more and more projects. That's it. Apple. Yeah. Next up uh, is a film called Renfield. Have you heard of this one? think so go on uh, so nicholas holt's in this one so universal is returning oh, to the yeah. realm of universal monsters really? in 2020 with renfield. returning to that a film following dracula's henchmen so nicholas holt stars as renfield while nicholas cage plays dracula now I perfect can, having casting. seen the pictures of nicholas cage as dracula and knowing that the director is lego batman movie director chris mckay I think this is actually going to be quite a fun, playful, exciting, okay, joyful experience that isn't just dour and, you know, all oh, universal Gothic. monsters. Yeah, I think they're going to really ham it up and, and really have fun with this. Okay. So um, it's got Ben Schwartz in it as well and, and Aquafina. Uh, the movie follows Renfield as he tries to quit working for Dracula to pursue love and the horror comedy that you horror comedy, uh, okay, horror comedy could be a surprise hit. That's what I was wondering. I was like, there's a lot of different things, like what genres but, we could no, go but, like, to. I love but, the, yeah, you know, things like cool. the Lego movies and the Lego Batman movies has got a lot of playful eventiness in it. And, you know, I'm always game for Nick Cage. Love Nick. I, I like Nick Holt, actually. And I'm, I'm really enjoying um, putting horror and comedy together. I feel like yes. it, it usually is like always a really good mix. Yeah, of course. So more um, that's coming out in April. Looking forward to that. Nice. So... You're doing chronological chronological order, I assume. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. Um, sort of. I'm yeah. just I'm doing the order that the list wrote it in. <laughs> sure, yeah, great. Um, <laughs> the next one, now I'm interested in this one. Next one's called Maestro. And this is Bradley Cooper's next directorial film, I've follow up to Star is Born. Yeah, so this is him playing uh, Leonard Bernstein, famous, um, you know, world famous uh, composer. Yeah. Um, from America. Um, he It's about his romance with Felicia Montalegre, uh, played by Kerry Mulligan. Maestro was initially Great. developed as a film by Spielberg, but that he passed on the movie and gave uh, gave it to Cooper. Also, uh, sporting cast also includes uh, Maya Hawke from Stranger Things. Um, again, no exact release date, but it's meant to be coming out. I've seen a picture of Bradley Cooper made Hair. up to look like Leonard Bernstein, yeah. and he's unrecognizable. But yeah, well, yeah I, 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 you know, he's an older, sort of craggly face. Spielberg must get films sent to him like a oh Tinder feed of yeah. just left, right. Do I put and he my starts name to, he starts on to it. a little bit. And he goes, nah, 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 yeah. nah. Was all this one? I'm gonna really yeah. do put it in like my my star list. This one I'm yeah. gonna sort of associate with that. No, no. Where no. do you stand on? A Star Is Born. 
I liked it. I didn't love it. I yeah. thought Lady Gaga was really great in it. I thought chemistry between Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga was really good. I didn't... Some people came out like, oh my God, Star is Born, best picture. You've got to see it. And it just... I, then I saw it and I never thought about it again. Yeah, I agree. I thought Lady Gaga was fantastic. Some great songs in it. Bradley per- Cooper's perf- really good as yeah, well. Yeah, Bradley Cooper, perfectly competently put together. But I think that it was just missing a certain something. What, what I, I thought was interesting is that um, there was a lot of very interesting subplots and subtext that actually was um, yeah. missing from the film. But the, I remember an interview that Bradley Cooper gave with like Kermit and Mayo. And in the interview, very casually, he explained the relationship between Bradley Cooper's character and his brother, his older brother, played by Sam Elliott. You know, right, he has that, yeah, yeah. And he explained this whole backstory about how they were in a band together. And he explained it as if that's already in the film. And then you watch the film and that is really, really not in there. You really have yeah. to have known that going in. Because I remember I saw it with my girlfriend. Then afterwards, I was like, yeah, because, you know, they were in a band together. And, yeah. so, and she was like, that was completely really? lost a bit. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but that was his first film. So looking forward to seeing Maestro. And I, I definitely, having seen A Star Is Born, thought, Bradley Cooper, I'd like to see more of that. Bradley Cooper's developed incredibly into this. Not only like leading Hollywood man, but like mm. director, visionary, Competent singer, yeah. real sort of like tour de force. Okay, next up is Martin Scorsese's film, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. We mentioned this briefly when we were talking about the Oscars for this year. It's probably not going to be. But it's not. It's, it's actually going to be the Oscars next year, I think. This Fine. is for, not for Netflix, it's for Apple TV Plus, because obviously you make oh, it Irishman for it? Netflix. Yeah, he switched, switched teams. So it stars uh, Jesse Plemons, Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, oh. John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser. Woo-hoo! Yes. A smoking hot cast. Yes. Uh, the movie adaptation of David Grant's novel that follows a murder investigation in the 1920s and it's been in development since 2017. I think that's going to be a big Oscar contender next year. Huge. So we probably won't be seeing that until December 2023. Leo Scorsese, yes. Jesse Plemons, oh, hell yeah. Love Just it. Uh, all of it. There's also, um, I, this is the first time today doing this research that I noticed this, but apparently Scorsese has another film on his slate with Leo, which is Roosevelt. About, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, the Great Depression, um, what's the word? J- FDR, not Teddy Roosevelt, but yeah. um, FDR. Um, that has um, not, it's got a release date, but there's nothing else been heard about it. And I would be surprised if they've been- if shot? Well, I don't know. That's the thing. Has Scorsese been, there's been, it, the last news I could see about it was it being announced in like 2017, Check 2020? on IMDb if it's in production. Oh, yeah. It's have. just got Scorsese and Leo attached to it, nothing else. So it's in pre-production. I, I almost, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is coming out, but yeah, interesting be. that that's maybe in the works. I'll take it. They really are Scorsese Leo mm. just doing so it. So we've had some, uh, we've had Scorsese, we've got um, Bradley Cooper coming back, we've got horror comedies, and then another great return of another great director is um, The Killer, which is David Fincher's new film. Now, yes. as I have said, I would prefer David Fincher to go back and finish Mindhunter, which is a yeah. fantastic series, <laughs> yeah. but he seems intent after uh, not doing that. So his last film was Mank, which came out on Netflix, and this is um, a film called The Killer, which is a uh, assassin movie. Season re-team with the writer of Seven, Andrew Kevin Walker. And it, it stars the guy we've been missing for a long time, Michael Fassbender. He took Back years in the saddle, off, right? I think he had Kiss yes, he had with Alicia Vikander, which know, is totally fair. Totally yeah, that's fair. nothing. He's allowed but to live a life. What a great talented actor, good in everything um, that I've missed out on. The Killer is based on a French graphic novel by Alexis Noland about an assassin who begins to develop a conscience, resulting in a psychological breakdown as his skills continue to be demanded. Was the last Fassbender film Dark Phoenix? Yes, which I feel like was just like such a contractual obligation. <laughs> really Sleepwalked into yeah. that. Um, the movie also stars Tilda Swinton and considering how... Uh, nice. Yeah, so it's, the movie also stars Tilda Swinton. And I think that we know Fincher does crime. We know Fincher does like... Cold, can do, sterile. Mean. He's yeah. a great director. Yeah. Um, 
And any new David Fincher film is something to be excited about. Yep. So that's great. Yep. Moving on. Uh, early in 2023, we have Magic Mike's Last Dance. Right? Magic Mike. Yeah, Magic yeah, Mike. Yeah. What do you think I said? You said Magic Mike. No, Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I see. I can... I put yeah, it yeah. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Um, I mentioned this only because Steven Soderbergh is uh, directing it again. And it's got Channing Tatum and Salma Hayek. Did Soderbergh do two? I don't know if he did um, uh, XXL. <laughs> As it was called, Magic Mike XXL in 2015. Look, yeah. uh, I didn't see XXL. I saw the first Magic Mike, which I thought was fine. Better than you could have thought it would be. Do you know be? what was the strange thing about that film was? It changed protagonists like three times. Yeah. It started off as Alex Pettifer's film. <laughs> then it became the girlfriend's film. And then it became Magic Mike. film. you never think from the marketing it would be Alex Pettifer's film. But you're watching no. it. And it's like, oh, you really spend time with Alex Pettifer and this yeah. whole underworld. And yeah, yeah, as you know, it just completely switches. So that's coming out. Currently in London, that has spawned a very successful live, show, yeah. live theater show, which is not a drama. It is exactly what Magic Mike is from that. Yeah. And it, the marketing is all over the tube in, in London. Yeah. Constantly, I'm seeing rippling abs, Magic Mike live, double XL. I'm like, fair play. Fair and play. it says Channing Tatum presents. That, he, that must be a screen which comes up. There's no way yeah. Channing Tatum But that means around. like, you know, every dollar that you put, Every pound, every pound, every uh, pound coin you throw at a stripper <laughs> yeah. goes to Channing Tatum. Fifteen p goes to um, Okay, then we've got another another uh, threequel. Yeah, Creed three. Sure, I mean, which Creed I 3. think this looks great. This is actually directed by Michael B. Jordan this time. Yeah, look, I quite liked Creed. Yes, I didn't see Creed two. Not as good. Um, and then now we've got Creed three. Creed one, obviously Creed one. Creed was originally directed by um, Ryan Coogler. Yes. He went on to do Black Panther. Um, look, I like Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a talent. Yeah. And now he's moved behind the camera. Great, good for him. Um, obviously sees Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson. Um, I don't know, because I didn't see Creed two. Is Rocky in this one still? No, so Creed, Rocky Spoilers. was in Creed two, um, but he has, I think there's been a fallout over the scripts and he's oh. not in Creed 3. I, d I don't want to speak on this because he's um, he's basically like made comments and I've not properly read up on it, but there was like a reason he's not oh. in it. And I think it's based on like story decisions. I, I can't be asked okay, to get it up, but, but I've only seen passing comments. It also features as the nemesis, man of the moment, Jonathan Majors, looking so hot right now. Stacked like a brick shit house. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, that's I think, me out. I think Creed as a character is a little bit, one dimensional. Mm, I feel like there's one, you know, agenda for that character, and it's to prove that they're as mm -hmm. good as thing. And I, I feel like it doesn't sustain. I feel like I need another three films. Yeah. But well, then it, this looks interesting because the whole thing is that, it, the, from what the trailer sells, it, it's like he's reached his success, he's achieved his goals. Yeah. And then well, that was two. His best friend comes out of prison, and it's very much like the path he could have taken. Yeah. If he hadn't been successful, and there's a sort of like this resentment between them, but they're friends, but they're enemies, but they're brothers. Yeah. So um, great soundtracks on all of them. If you're ever working out, whack on a Creed soundtrack, get you pumped. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, next up, sixty-five. Now this Adam could go Driver. either yeah. Adam Driver in another Trailer came out a couple of weeks ago. Big, you know, Adam Driver can be in any film, and it's always interesting. But yes. it's not. It's interesting to see him return to another big, big budget franchise movie because he could do prestigious Oscar picks for in the rest a of his film, life. which looks like the plot of After Earth with Will and Jaden Smith. Yes. So this is <laughs> called Sixty Five because it is set sixty five million years ago. But you wouldn't think that from the trailer because Adam Driver is flying a spaceship which hits a load of asteroids and crashes on a mysterious planet, and has one sole survivor, and it's a child. He's got to look after them. What's on this planet? Well, would you actually believe it's sixty? five million years ago prehistoric earth and it's spaceman versus dinosaurs basically yeah. um, it's from the writers of uh, a quiet place and look the thing is um 
I'm I'm all for a silly premise well executed. So uh, I and I and I reserve my judgment. And I really like Adam Driver. I believe that Adam Driver also chooses his films quite carefully. Yes. So I hope there's more to this than an yeah. After Earth or or um, you know he needed a new house to be paid for <laughs> yeah. something like yeah. that. Um, Some distant cousin is but After Earth. That I never saw, but that looked. I didn't. I think I watched abysmal. the first ten minutes on Sky years ago and then couldn't continue. Yeah. Sorry. I love you. After Earth, still can't wait to see it. Um, Jaden? Uh, next up one I think we're both very excited for is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yep. The sequel to Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. I love that film. Oscar winning film. Best animation that year. Just broke just broke your heart. I fall, Fully immediately stunning. in love with characters. Yeah. Visually unique. Never really Brilliant. seen anything like it. Fantastic. Look, I mean, what else to say? It, it, it's what you expect. It's more also a great soundtrack. Sorry. Also a great soundtrack. It's more of Miles Morales. It's more of the animation style. Yep. Um, it's going to feature uh, Gwen Stacy, played by Haley Steinfeld again. Uh, also Oscar Isaac's Miguel O'Hara, aka Spider Man 2099. Yeah. Um, there's also Spider Woman in there, and it's probably likely that Jake Johnson's Peter Parker will also be back as well. And 50 other Spider Man variants. Exactly. And that's what yeah. I just want color, frenetic energy, Fun soundtrack, funny jokes, yeah. but also a good bit of heart. That's what the film had. I think it's cool to have a film which I know they could do this live action, but it's the kind of thing that you could only do animated or do really well and stylistically. I think, you know, they could do all this like dimension warping, but I don't think I want to see that with live action. I yeah. like that they've gone, we're animating this. We can go as stylish and comic booky and as wacky as we can. Yeah. That, that's the creative liberation of hand draw, like digitally drawing something. Yeah. I think that's cool. I love it. I can't wait to see it. Okay. Next up, so uh, just a couple more. I don't know how to feel about this one. So do you know David Gordon Green much as a director? Yeah, what's he done again? Name's familiar. Well, so David Gordon Green has had a quite an interesting career. He started off with making like a low budget indie films like George Washington um, and then um, went on and made things like Prince Avalanche, which is quite a good film. But then he's, he's also done kind of mainstream comedies. He made Pineapple Express. That's where I know him. And the past, I mean, he's clearly a talented director and like, I really liked Prince Avalanche. And you know, he also does some acting. He is in Bones and All. He is the guy who's with Michael Stuhlberg. Oh, yes, yes. So a perfect competent guy. And however, he um, has spent the past few years making the Halloween reboot trilogy, right? Right. You know, Halloween, which was actually Halloween 2, but was actually called Halloween. And then there was Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Yeah. I have some friends who saw all of those at the cinema. Yeah. And they said Halloween, which was Halloween 2, but wasn't Halloween 2, was fine. Yeah. Halloween Kills, silly nonsense, but they had a great time at the cinema. Uh, and I've heard Halloween Ends was absolutely diabolically bad. Really? So... David Gordon Green now returns and he's doing the same thing now with another horror franchise and that's The Exorcist, which we yes, talked about last year. Do you did. remember we did a whole episode about it? Um, you can watch so, our reacting to The Exorcist uh, episode from a while ago now. Basically, yeah. yeah, we watched it for the first time yeah. and kind of gave our impressions. But basically, a bit like how we did with Halloween, it's going to be a st- direct sequel to the 1973 original, which will be, is 50 years old this year. And it's going to um, follow up to that. It's going to have... Um, it's going to have Ellen Burstyn return. She played the mother in the yeah. original. I have no mention of Linda Blair. Um, I'm. We'll Mixed. see. I'll see because I mean I liked The Exorcist. I yeah. don't think it needs a 50 year belated, rec, you know, retcon redid. Um, and I sequel. assume it will be 50 years later. And I, I guess. To, yeah. Uh, but it stars Leslie Odom Jr., Ellen Burstyn, as I mentioned, and Anne Dowd. Now Anne Dowd is a great actress. She she's in she's in Hereditary. She's the one who's at the meeting yeah. and goes, yeah. Oh, you know, I must talk to you about yeah, your, your I mother. Know. Fantastic. So 
Interesting. We're getting an I'm Exorcist new they, franchise. I'm surprised they want to touch it, but then I'm also not surprised, given the cycling of IP, that they, they are going to go back to it. But I'm just, uh, it's all going to be in the tone of that first look of how I feel about it when it comes to what they're doing, how they're making it look. Just going there is just making me go, ah, well, maybe I, you shouldn't. I think it's that they... Uh, you know, if you look at films over the past 50, since in the 50 years since The Exorcist, you've had loads of films that basically trying to capitalize on the legacy of The Exorcist. In the same way that The Godfather spawned all like the mob genre, you know, whether, whether it's Pray for the Devil or The Last Exorcism of yeah. Emily Rose, every so often, every couple of years, you'll get a naff Exorcist light film. Yeah. And it's now like they've gone, you know what? Why don't we just like do The Exorcist? What do we like, actually do? Why don't we just do it again? But like, Part follow two. up. Um, what I haven't seen Halloween Kills. What I will say is there is some interesting. Uh, they do some like re- very uh, well detailed recreation of the 1970s that seamlessly blend with the clips of the original. Oh, that's and cool. then so they actually like Donald Pleasance's character and he plays the Doctor Loomis in Halloween. Yeah. They actually recreated him really interestingly with some prosthetics on, on one of their sound guys. So actually it's almost like an uncanny overlap. So the the scar tissue between the film 50 years ago and now. Hopefully it won't be too prominent. But anyway, that's happening. Okay. I watched the first reboot of the Halloween. So what would be Halloween 2? Halloween 2018, yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, James, did you know we're getting a new Hunger Games film next year? Pass on this for me. Yeah, a hard, hard pass. pass. Um, this is going to be... Okay, so it's uh, directed by the franchise veteran Francis Lawrence. It's a prequel, and it's uh, going to follow a young Coriolanus Snow, uh, which was originally played by Donald Sutherland, and it's about his involvement in the Hunger Games and the. <laughs> Sorry, Hunger I just Games... bored myself even even reading it. Hunger Games one is interesting because it's totally. a concept. It's yeah. a very interesting, violent, gripping. Yeah, leads up to the big battle. Your third act yeah. is your battle. Very very engaging. The second one is the same, but it, but, but, more. But, but bigger. And they said, oh, it's a quarter quell conveniently. And as soon up. as that franchise, I've not read the books. I've just watched the films. As soon as that departed from the Hunger Games games, it was so boring yeah i was i was when those films were out i was like yeah i'll watch hunger games 3 i want to see i don't know anything about the story i want to see how this ends i was so yeah. bored it was like almost grayscale oh. the performances looked bored the writing was bored didn't even i couldn't even finish part two it was so boring well we're how does it end <laughs> and um obviously the, you know there are lots of other bigger films like you know mission impossible seven blah, yeah blah. yeah but a film that we talked about at towards the end of 2021 this is a film that's coming out in December 2023 this year. Okay. That's Wonka. Pim- yes. um, Timothy Chalamet as early days Willy Wonka. Timothy Chalamet steps into the offbeat shoes of a young Willy Wonka in this origin story, which captures the budding chocolatier as he crosses paths with the Oompa Loompas. Also stars Olivia Colman, cool. Sally Hawkins, always great. Keegan-Michael Key, yay. And Rowan Atkinson, we mentioned it. Yeah, else. love that. Um, round out, and they round out the great cast. So, and um, it's directed, more importantly, by Paul King, who did the first two Paddington films, which I rewatched Paddington 2 the other day fantastic by the way that breaks your rule of uh film with a talking animal that is good because you said there are no good films with talking animals and that uh, one is yes do you know uh, i think it's more it's the only one it's probably okay i think it's more films that have where like someone learns to commune with animals <laughs> or like where there's like uh, you, oh my god i can hear you talk yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean to do little a zookeeper with kevin james <laughs> yeah. um you're right talking animals it does break the rule but it's a really fantastic what a great exception. what a great exception yeah. i mean paddington 2 it's sublime 
frankly, just absolutely sublime. People overhyped it so much, but that did not stop no. me. Abs- I was like, okay, how good can this be? <laughs> oh, Lucy. Absolutely. <laughs> Uncle Pastuzo. So that is a very, very... Uh, um, what am I trying to say? Handbrake turn, uh, screeching Skin. run through... You've got Oppenheimer. Yeah, no, we've, we've mentioned, yeah, no, we've mentioned Barbie, yeah. all that stuff. But this is so the films many. we haven't mentioned. So that is some interesting ones there. James, of all the ones I've mentioned, do you have one in particular that you're... Me- Killers of the Flower Moon, I think. Yes, I know, I I know so. so little about it, yeah. but that's going to be really cool. I, um, yeah. I would say that or actually Ari Aster's one, purely yeah. because I just don't know what I'm going to get. Do you know what I'm even more excited about? The what? film that's not on this list, that we've not even mentioned, that's not on our radar, that I'm going to hopefully really love by the end of next year. Oh yeah, year. I know what you mean. The one that it, we have no Took idea that it's coming out. Yeah. By the end of the year, we'll be going, oh my God, that film that came out. And people just start saying, oh, you need to see this film. I'm like, what's that? Yeah. And then like, I, it just comes and it happens and it's fantastic. Um, so there you are, guys. That is a very sort of quick discursive look at... Uh, the films that are coming out this year. What are you excited to see? What are you, uh, is there any big films that we've missed? I mean, we have talked about other ones in previous episodes. We couldn't do them all today. But yeah, let us know what films for 2023, this year, that you are most interested to see. And I hope you're looking forward to, in between every one of those films you see, there'll be a Marvel film. And (laughs) a a blockbuster TV show. And a TV show, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, as ever, write into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and that'd be great. Anyway, James, those are the films that are coming out this year, but you've already seen a couple of films over the uh, Christmas break. Yeah, just finished my year with a couple of other ones. The first one I saw, which by the time people are listening to this will be, you know, a couple of months old, but it is Antoine Antoine Fuqua's new film, Emancipation, Mm. starring, controversially, Will Smith. This film was shot before the Oscars last year, right? And it was very quickly sort of put on ice and it's now been put out. It's an Apple TV Plus original. And I think there is this little bit of a, you know, I've seen Will Smith in the week it was sort of coming out, did a couple of late night shows where he's promoting the film, but he's also doing his first bit of official promo for a film since that. And I think your feelings about watching Will Smith on screen again is probably quite mixed. And I think it's going to be different from person to person. I kind of had this sense of, uh, yeah, all right, go on then. Like I was sort of a bit weird for me, um, but it's worth mentioning this film's kind of been put on ice and it's his first one coming back. Emancipation is set in 1860s Louisiana. And um, Will Smith plays Peter, a Haitian slave who is working on a cotton plantation in Louisiana. And very early on in the film, he gets separated from his family and he swears that he will find them and get them back. And in the meantime, he's taken to do labor on a railroad railroad track. And uh, uh, Stephen Ogg and Ben Foster play some of the people in charge of making sure that the slaves are, you know, building this railroad. And at this moment in time, Abraham Lincoln has declared that all those who were previously considered slaves are now free men. And you've got this idea that this news, obviously, in the 1860s is spread very slowly across the United States of America. And uh, Will Smith overhears uh, Stephen Ogg's character saying that, oh, did you guys hear it? Abraham Lincoln has declared slaves free, not that they care, right? You're building, mm. building the railroad. With that news, um, Will Smith 
uh, through certain events in the plot and a whole big explosion. Sorry, someone just screamed outside. <laughs> uh, so he uh, manages to run away. And he needs to run away to a Lincoln freed state where slaves are acknowledged as free men. But what is in between him and freedom? Five days traveling through a swamp of, Lu of Louisiana. Ben Foster plays a very ominous and villainous uh, slave catcher. He sort of glares at them as they're across and he has this way of uh, whistling with, with dogs and he gets them to fetch and he sort of has this implied layer of depth, which I don't think is really there. And uh, he says things to Will Smith's character saying, I'm your guard, you are my dog, you will beg for me. And this film really feels like it's in that brand of we really want to be considered as an Oscar film. It is almost black and white. It's like barely got color and it's almost slightly sepia, like an old uh, piece of parchment, aged piece of parchment or an old photograph from the 1800s would be. And I found I had the mixed feelings about that. I thought, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to almost like show me that how could there be any beauty mm. in slavery and what it's depicting mm. on screen. Um, but it's also got this very, so I can see all the pores in everyone's faces, the scars in the skin. Mm. And I just felt it was a little bit drab and a little bit lifeless, which I know is a weird thing to say when it comes yeah. to depicting slavery, but I just didn't really find it that compelling to watch. Is it like your thing about not wanting to talk, you know, not seeing, having scenes of people in dark rooms talking like that kind of? No, not necessarily. I just found it quite uh, uncompelling to, to look okay. at. Um, I weirdly found there were sort of certain choices with the cinematography where it was sweeping through cotton fields and going high above the forest and moving through people over their shoulder. And I thought it was a little bit at odds with its tone. I thought, can we, can we not just keep the camera still mm. for this? I actually thought, you know, don't, don't, move, don't move around so yeah. much. Uh, as I said, it really wants to be an Oscar film. There are moments where I think it really goes, this is the big scene, this is the big monologue, mm. we really want to make you feel here, and it never really quite connected with me. There is a sense that this is going for the category of Oscar that I think The Revenant went for, mm. where if you swap out the 1860s Louisiana for 1820s New Frontier, you take out a giant bear attack for a giant alligator attack, which right. does happen in this, and gritty survival hiding underneath the swamps and masking your scent from the dogs. Not so much dialogue, but a lot of struggling. Grunting. And going grunting, climbing up a tree to get the honey from wasps and being stung. Mm. And all of that survival element of it, of running away, felt like it was slightly detached from the message of mm. slaves being liberated very slowly across America in that time. Mm. And I think by the time I got to the end of it, I realized that it hadn't connected with me that much. Mm. Will Smith is decent in it. I think it's a role which I think he takes on very well. You can tell he really believes in what he's doing on screen. I found that the directing of it and what it's trying to do with this story slightly separate from how I eventually felt about it. And I was a little bit, I don't think I'm going to think on it much more. Okay. Well, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. It sounds like it's almost got like a kind of... You know, he's got a wider, very um, interesting historical, historical yeah. uh, part to it, but then it's kind of like bolted to a kind of B-movie, like assault course kind of plot, um, which seems a shame. How long is it? Uh, it's two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, I think it could be worth a watch. I mean, the Will Smith is a good actor, regardless of what happened back, you know, last year. And what people will know who are familiar with the story is that 
after the events of the film, uh, Peter is photographed by a war photographer and they do this very famous photo which is of his back which is completely covered in the scars of having been whipped and it's called The Scourged Mac and it's one of the photos of slavery that travelled through the Americas that acted as this like huge turning point for understanding the horrors of slavery, changing the minds of many of the public and it's that that idea that we're telling the story, bringing it to screen, and there's sort of a moment in the film where that photo, you know, the moment he's shown uh, how they did that photo. And I thought that, I thought that was quite good, but um, ultimately just didn't really connect with it. And it, it's interesting, you know, you bring up a, a subject like slavery, and I think there are so many ways to really engage your audience. And, you know, they really tried to make a villain out of Ben Foster's character. And there's one scene where it tries to sort of really give that character an extra level of depth which I don't really think is there so I'm not really that interested in this person who's like lots of grimacing and lots of menacing like there's some motive for why they are believing the things that they believe but it just didn't it felt very one dimensional and, and also when you're talking about this, the kind of uh, approach to colour in it it's, you know things like take a film like 12 Years a Slave which I know it seems like a very yeah. obvious example to compare it to but it's like with the cinematography in that, which is really beautiful, it's not, it, it was almost like saying there is beauty in the world. It's yeah. just out of the reach of Solomon Northup. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, yeah, that, that's one thing that's very striking. And, and, you know, you have the kind of, oh, yeah, just thinking about all those sort of different shots. And, uh, you know, like you have the beauty, you know, he's, there's a, I suppose that's bit, that bit in 12 Years a Slave where Solomon's walking through the, the woods. And you've got these beautiful hanging, you know, the, the real like, dynamic hanging trees of the forest then yeah. it comes across a, a lynching and it's like this sudden switch um and it's very easy in your film to have your sad scene set when it's raining and your ominous foreboding scene set during thunder and yeah. your very happy scene set in the sun but there's something more yeah there's something more disciplined about having some of something that's absolutely horrifying to watch happening on a bright sunny yeah. blue sky day um, I mean, look, I, th I think, you know, this, the cinematography, it was just more of a stylistic yeah. choice for me. I thought, I don't really fancy this. Okay. I'm not really enjoying the way it looks. Um, but there you go, Emancipation. If Interested to hear if anyone else has seen it. Yeah, if you'd want to, please write into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and let us know what you thought. And you've seen another film, James, haven't you? We were just talking about Nicholas Holt earlier. So you've seen The Menu? Yeah, The Menu. It's one of those films which I sort of was interested in seeing. It was sort of wrapping up the films I need to get to for the end of the year. Went to the cinema to go and see it with my mum. And oh, hello, mum. this was The Menu, which is directed by Mark Mylod, who is a mm. Game of Thrones and Succession writer alumni. And when you sort of know a bit more about the plot, makes a lot of sense. It's another satirization of the ultra wealthy. I can't uh, tell if I'm starting to get a little bit tired of them because uh, White Lotus trying to sadness, White Lotus succession. succession, even to extent the crown. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of that brand of satire going yeah. around, which you know I can't blame considering the way in which the ultra wealthy have never been more yeah. wealthy. Than, yeah, that, there's that. Um, so the menu is all about a group of very wealthy individuals going to experience the food of a three Michelin star uh, chef called Chef Slowick, who's played by the very menacing Ralph Fiennes. It's probably his- Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes, Sorry, thank you. Played by the very menacing Rafe Fiennes, who's playing probably the most menacing role I've seen him in, considering he's done- Voldemort. Voldemort and a Nazi. That's almost quite <laughs> impressive. He's really menacing. And, um, you know, to go, this is a restaurant called Hawthorne, which is not just on its own secluded thing. It's on its own island. You have to get a boat out to go there. It is 12.50 ahead. And on this uh, little boat, which are heading towards Hawthorne, is uh, a character played by Nicholas Holt, who's like a huge 
wannabe foodie. He just adores everything this man has ever done, everything he's ever said. And he's brought on his new girlfriend called Margot, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who almost acts as the very blank, uh, you know, a frame for the audience yeah. she's like who is this what are we doing why is it so special you've got three finance bros who uh, their boss is the person who funds mm -hmm. hawthorne and this restaurant you've got an old couple who have been many times before to hawthorne You've got uh, John Leguizamo playing uh, a sort of slightly washed up actor who wants to do a Netflix show about food, but needs to prove that he has a good palate. So he's like taken his assistant to this all-inclusive resort. And so they turn up on the island and someone's there to greet them. And they know everyone by their first and last name. Every chef in the kitchen knows exactly who that everyone is. And you get this sense that every single part of this experience has been specifically tailored to each individual person. And I'll twist one of the things that happens that Anya Taylor-Joy was not meant to be on this, uh, this, this, this journey. Nicholas Holt was gonna take his ex-girlfriend, but they broke up. So he instead brought Anya Taylor-Joy. And it's a very, very awkward moment when they turn up and the woman calls her by the wrong name and realizes that actually mm. there's been a sort of supplement. Eventually they meet this, um, or they go around and they see like there's someone fishing for the scallops in the water and here's the meat which is aged to perfection. Everything's grown on the island, served on the island. And you get to meet Ray Fiennes in this immaculate kitchen, all with copper pots and his chefs that every time he says something they go, yes, chef! And it's immediately... Um, apparent that he has sort of like a sharp discipline. And every time uh, a course is about to be served, he does this. A bit like you do when you roll, roll. <laughs> when I sing clap. Yeah. And all the chefs immediately stand to attention. And, um, and they, uh, you sort of, you get these breakups of the film by each course. Mm -hmm. And it starts with an amuse-bouche. And then there's a second course, third course, and it's aperitif, blah, blah, blah. And you get the sense that the character of Chef Sloic is slightly, you know, disgusted by the fact that his quality of his food has reached such a level that only the jaded and ultra wealthy can experience it. And he is looking to make a very distinct point with what he's serving to these people mm. about the fact that they are wealthy and ignorant and mm. greedy and jealous. And oh, sorry, there's also two food critics who are there as well, okay. who are both um, have long term relationships with the chef and both of them are both like just going back and forth with sound bites about, yes, well, it's very uh, this. And they're mm. both sort of like trying to reaffirm each other's yeah, views yeah. the whole time. I'm not going to say too much about the courses because each course kind of builds, but there's this sense that you never know whether or not something that's happening is actually happening and yeah. someone's being hurt or someone's doing yeah. this or whether or not it's all part of the culinary right. experience. For example, there's one moment where he serves a taco course and printed on the taco sheets for each individual person is like a burn-in of something different. So for... The finance bros, it is their detailed spreadsheets of the accounts that they fudged and the invoices that they falsified. For the old married couple, it's the, the husband at dinner with another woman photographed huh. with, and like there's all of these different things that people are realizing that like, this is a very deeply personal and mm. exposing uh, experience. But you're like, is this, is he actually gonna kill us all? Is this part of it? And you know, there's a course where he serves bre a bread course with little okay. dips but he doesn't serve any bread. Right. It's just the dips. And it's just this idea that, you know, it is a parable about classism. It is about exploiting capitalism. Right. And it is about how art can be commodified into nothingness. And sometimes the most outrageous thing to do when people are paying for everything is to give them nothing. I think that's all I want to say, because what the courses are, I think, you yes, know, sure. go, goes does on. Does it work? 
I think the film rushes into rushes to get into the courses, yep. if that makes sense. And I think by course two, <laughs> I was already like, holy shit, we're, we're going here. I think I would have loved it to have done a little bit less. Mm. I like the idea, I like the concept, like each course gets more and more extreme and the point it's trying to make and the chef has clearly got a direction of what he wants to do. Everyone's equally horrible yeah. and kind of interesting to watch. Very succession, very, like, yeah. again, it's drawing from a lot of sure. different things. I do feel like I've kind of seen this before. Uh, from the middle, it was just a bit everywhere all at once. No pun intended. And by the end, I was like, yeah, it's a nice ending. I like that. Okay. But I think it's overall an enjoyable watch for a nice quiet time at home. So uh, a an interesting premise. Lots of great ideas in there. A lot of, yeah, an interesting premise, lots of good ideas, slightly fumbled perhaps, but it, it sort of gets away with it by the end. It has a, it almost has a knives out, sorry, glass onion feel to it, but no way near as uh, sharp and yes. clear yes. as knives out. Knives, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, glass onion, yeah. you go, I know exactly what this thing is trying to do. Yeah. With this, the menu, I could, if I wanted to, go in and really try and draw meaning from lots of things, yeah. but I'm not sure I'm interested enough to do so. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. That was uh, my impressions on the menu. If you've seen it, please write in and let us know what you thought, um, and we will read them out on the show. George, another week goes by, which means another week of our letterbox being filled with emails from our audience. As yes. always, if you wanted to send us an email into the show, you can do by emailing emailing into hello at popkitchenpodcast. And just to reiterate, like you said, you, people may have sent in some other emails, but because we are recording this at the tail end of 2022, mm. uh, we might not have got your email just yet, but obviously stay tuned in future episodes and we'll get there. And sometimes we save them for future episodes. So if you send one in, you might not get it read out for a couple yes. of episodes, but we are recording this for the future. <laughs> this first one is from Sam who writes into hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. He says, hello, after watching just one of the best World Cup games ever, yes. what are your favorite sport movies? Brackets, football films. Mm. For me, loads come to mind, such as Bend It Like Beckham, great, yeah. Escape to Victory, the Gold Trilogy, brackets, not the third one, The Damned United, and of course, one of my favorite comedies of all time, Mike Bassett, England Manager. Oh, yeah. It would be interesting to know what your favorite ones are. Also, I'd like to say how much I enjoy the pod. I'm always telling people how good you guys are, and on a cold day, when I'm walking home from work, listening to you makes me feel like I'm in a warm pub speaking oh. to my friends about films hope you both have an amazing christmas and new year from sam that's thank very sweet that's thank very good you. thank you so much that's a really lovely thing uh sports well first of all i mean uh, yes i mean this is going to be completely updated when we bring it up but the world cup final was fantastic what, uh, what, what yeah. a brilliant thing um sports movies um i don't watch a lot of sports movies yeah. anyway, the damned united i've only seen once but i do think i do remember really united. enjoying that bendelite beckham's fantastic yep um, I mean, let's go through the sports. The goal films I have not thought about since I watched them. Yeah, I've seen Any the rugby ones. I've seen one and two. Uh, oh, there's a, there's the one with Morgan Freeman and Matt Damon. Oh, Invictus. Invictus. Yes, yes. that's quite that's good. That's okay. Yeah, that's all right. That's yeah, all right. Eastwood one. Okay, that's rugby. But what's up? Uh, there's a couple of baseball films. I'm sure. There's um, F1 film Rush with. That's okay. Uh, what's face? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yes, Daniel and Brawl. the other, Daniel, Daniel Brule. Also it. Senna. Documentary. I've not seen, but I really oh, need to see that. Oh, my God. It's film. great, oh, yeah. Great. Um, I mean, what else is there? I mean, baseball's probably got, like, uh, you know, League yeah. of Their Own. Oh, Any Given Sunday for the um, for the American football. Hey, if you want a really good American football one, watch OJ Made in America, which yeah. starts off as a sports <laughs> film, then becomes a crime thriller, <laughs> and then becomes a legal thriller. Um, sports are a great framing for a film. Mm. The Adam Sandler, Longest Yard. Have you seen that? Or Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, yeah. Um, there you go. We've named a few, but it's clear that James and I do not watch a lot of sports ones, but there's a... There's a, a I wonder one. if goal one holds up. Never seen it, and yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> 
This next one's from Douglas. He says, hi lads, hope you're both well. It's my second time writing in, friend of the show. And I want to say again, what a great job you guys do. Well, I remember you. sitting That's in my correct. car, listening to an episode for the first time while waiting for my wife to finish work, playing along with the cast list game. Hey. More than important that I say sirens on our end when they're here. Yes, I don't yeah. want our audience just be pulling over. Um, then I caught up with the whole backlog catalog to the point where I was, it was one of the, then I caught up with a whole back catalogue to the point where I was one of the many who had Pulp Kitchen as my top podcast on Spotify Wrap 2022. Thank you. As the year comes to an end, a lot of the films you have recently discussed are now making their way to streaming services. However, I've noticed it being a lot quicker in some cases. Amsterdam appeared on Disney Plus the other week and yes. it didn't seem long ago you guys were at the premiere. Follow at popkitchenpodcast.com. Yes. What a time that was. That. Yeah. After listening to you talk about Barbarian, I looked at local listings to see very few showings I could make. But literally a few days later, it too is on Disney+. Plus. Mm. See How They Run is also there with Banshees of Inner Sharon due on by the time your next episode is out. It is out now. Mm. Do you think the window from theatrical release to streaming is too short and will impact people's decision whether to pay to see a film at the cinema for the sake of a few weeks to watch at home? Even with cinema ticket prices reduced since COVID, as you said a few weeks ago, Marvel, of course, also have their reported 45-day window. And by my calculation, that could mean Black Panther Wakanda Forever might get a festive January 1st release on Disney Plus for everyone to watch on their shiny new Christmas presents. Well, people will know by now if, it, if it's out. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Is it too, um, is it too short? The thing is, I think it's worth saying that these decisions about the release date windows are made by industry experts who have probably access to much more detail than you and I, yeah, you and no, I would. But, but as a consumer, I would say, hmm, I know your point, which is that I think so. on the one hand, it's like, you, what, you think they are going to... I think it's too short. You think they should be longer? I think it kills the... If I was... If you know that it's coming out on streaming, you think, oh, what, why bother? I'd be like, yeah, three... Cause if I can catch it in, in five weeks... Mm. I'd go, oh, just leave but it. But on the flip side, you they might be thinking, they might be like that film where you miss it. But on the flip side, they might say, well, we've we've created this buzz, this initial marketing window where it's in people's mind. If we bring it out a month later on a streaming platform, it's like, still going to be, that. it's still going to yeah. be people's heads. It's still going to be a valuable product. Whereas if you wait three months, it's not going to be as impactful. Um, I mean, selfishly as consumer, it's great to be like, mm. oh, great, that film's already on there. I'm going to watch it. But uh, I know what you mean. Those release date those sort of release date windows have been there for a long time. You know, way back when it used to be your film would come out and then it wouldn't be allowed to be released on DVD or rental for a Months. set set amount yeah. of time. It was just like an agreed amount of time. Yeah. Um, I, I think what it does is it means that the only reason to go and see a film in cinema, if you're being very cynical, is not to be part of the conversation. It's because like I only, it's only because I want to see it on the big screen. Mm. So it, it really drives those like special effects driven, large format films to be seen in cinemas. Whereas comedies and things like that, you can go, oh, well, I'll just get it in, in five weeks. And it's less of like, you know, you need to create this sense of urgency to see it. If we think of like a successful comedy, like The Hangover One, right? right. There was almost the sense that if you hadn't seen it, you missed out. You weren't mm. getting the jokes. You oh God, I, oh, do yeah. you remember that bit? Whereas if it's going to be out in a month anyway, it's almost mm. like you're going to have seen it. So I, I think, not that I have any data to back it up, I would go, no, no, like protect, like go, if you want to see it and like be a part and listen to the podcast and be part of the discussion, it's gonna, not going to be out on your TV for six months. All I will say... Because obviously technologically they can just put it Though as well is films like Amsterdam, See How They Run, Barbarian, and even The Banshees of Inner Sharon yeah. are smaller films. Uh-huh, yeah. That, uh, you know, it's not like like with Black Panther, they, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it needs to exist. If you, if you yeah. know it can come out on streaming tomorrow, then you're not going to go. That's why it's not day and date. 
Mm. It could be day and date. It could literally be, and sometimes it is. What was it? Luca was day and date or something like that. Mm. Is that straight to Disney I, Plus? I hope we've sort of answered your question there, Douglas. We don't know. Yes, because <laughs> I, I feel completely unqualified that any industry yeah. experts should answer that. Um, question two from Douglas. On that subject, the last time I wrote in was talking about Marvel and how they seem to be running their cinematic universe just like the comic side of things. Oh, yes. It now seems Warner Brothers are follow, following suit to an extreme extent with another DC reboot on the way, yes. much like they do every few years with their own comic storylines, New 52, Rebirth, etc. What do you make of James Gunn's reported plans so far and how it's being handled, especially with Henry Cavill announcing he won't be the Witcher to return as Superman, then having to U-turn after discussions with Gunn? It all seems very public too, a bit like Elon Musk on Twitter himself mm. compared to Kevin Feige's secrecy and calculated convention appearances. Hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and Happy yeah. New Year. Can't wait to see what 2023 brings and I hope Santa is good to all of the listeners by making the Before Trilogy available on a streaming service <laughs> for your big discussion episode. All the best, Douglas from Glasgow. Right, George, just the Before Elephant in the Room. Oh, uh, with the Before, um, we, we, we did say we were going to do a, a rewatch episode and due I'm, to the- I've not had time. Yes, James going on watched holiday. one of them, but he needs to watch all of gonna them. Gonna watch them. It'll happen in January, we, 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 I wanna you know say. Let's, well, it it's will coming. happen at some point. And the longer we leave it, the more time we give people to watch it. It yeah. will come out Good Christmas and, we'll, and we'll do it properly. We don't wanna, we don't wanna rush it. I don't want James to be like, oh, I, I mainlined it on the plane back, okay? Um, and then about uh, how James Gunn is handling- Well, we talked a little bit about that bit before, about, about how public he is and how messy it is. You know, um, Superman was back, that he's Speculation about why. Um, Rumors. In a way, it's like I'm very, very dismissively. I'm just like, I'll just see when the film comes out. Yeah. Quite frankly, because there was a very good TikTok video that was going around about yeah. the challenges that James Gunn's facing. About, like, oh, you've got it. this franchise and you've got this franchise. Oh, by the way, you've got a separate, unconnected Batman movie. By the way, you've got two Jokers happening. One you separate. can't do anything related to Aquaman or yeah. Wonder Woman, yeah. and we don't even know if you can talk about Ezra Miller yet. Yeah. But there is this thing, and yeah. you need to do that. Um, so it's all very tangled up. I will just, in a way. I'm going to take a step back yeah. and I will take them on a film by film basis. So like Shazam Fury of the Gods, I know that's kind of outdated now. It's not yeah. part of James Convision. Probably not. The next ba the Batman movie from Matt Reeves. Yes, that signed me up. The next Joker, I will go see it. Yeah. So, I think yeah. clearly in my eyes, what has happened is James Khan has been offered the role of choreographing the next yeah. output of DC. He's turned up on day one and he's gone, great, I have some ideas. And everyone's gone, hang on, we do have this in the works. There's this, Joker 2, blah, blah, blah. And I think he's just had to go, do you know what? This no, is too much. No. Do what I think we all want. Re refresh, yeah. reboot the whole thing. He's like the professor on the blackboard and he's just pulling down yeah. that new slate. He's wiping everything off and going, okay. Yeah. Forget what you know about DC. Yes. And he's just going to go, Superman, great. I'm going to do a new one. Sorry, Henry, there's just too much baggage. There's yeah. too many stories. You've got your own Batman. I've got this Batman. Yeah. I've got this. One, I can't touch that. Flat. No. Yeah. He's clearly just going to go, do I have permission to completely refresh this entire thing and start from zero? And I think that is probably the best thing that could happen to DC because they're not going to start. a completely messy decade for what? DC. Yeah, from, just rushed. So we've just come and gone into 2023. So 2012, was, 2012 yeah. was... Uh, 2013. Was no, no, 2012 was when The Dark Knight Rises ends. That's one uh, sure. era yes. of DC over. Then Man of Steel happens. And I do think that when they made Man of Steel, they weren't yet planning necessarily interconnected universes. I think it's when... Um, after, about maybe around the time Age of Ultron Ma came out when? I don't know, maybe, uh, 2015 I think yeah, okay. I think after Man of Steel came out they were like, look oh, by the, well, time, Avengers was sorry, by the time that Man of Steel came out yes, right, after yeah. Avengers they were like, look, we need to maybe now mash this into an interconnected yeah. universe and we've had 10 years of I don't think, that, I mean one to two good DC films and then now they're like, okay guys DCU films, it's like, DCU yeah. films, yeah. thank you. And then uh, and now, yeah, reset. So, yes, 
start again. Cleanser. Start again. But like, but then keep the Batman. <laughs> so exhausted from I starting know, all know, over just again. God. There you go. Douglas, thank you as always for writing in the show. This last one is from Josie, who says, Hi, Pop Kitchen. Thank Hello. you for making this podcast. It has become the highlight of my week. Oh, also, you, I can't Jesse. imagine how much work it takes to produce an episode every single week with this high quality of production and all on your own. So thank you very much. I will say, Josie, that, that's very kind of you to say because we are recording this at the end of 2022. Yeah. And James and I can both admit, we We're are exhausted. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> exhausted from plate spinning two different lives. Watching Emancipation in the menu for yeah. content. <laughs> And then doing a full day's work. At straws. Uh, and I will go to work some days and people will be like, as people are, you know, do casually talking about movies, yeah. oh, what do you think about this movie, George? And I think, I just I can't. <laughs> I can't give you my opinion because I'm I just someone having a delivered. conversation that I've had with you ad nauseum. I'm like, I already know everything to say about yeah. this. Not arrogantly, I'm like, I need my lunch. Just had this conversation. Um, thank you, Joseph. Very it's very, thank you for the appreciation. What, um, what was the question? My question is, have you always been able to analyze what you liked and disliked and what was objectively good in a film? Or is it a skill that you developed over time? It's very a kind skill? Of well, a skill. It's very kind. If so, when and how did you develop the skill as I'm fairly new to my interest in film and struggle to come out of watching one with something to say about it that isn't just a black and white response on whether I enjoyed it or not? Merry Christmas from Josie. Long-term listener and discover the podcast from what shall not be named again. <laughs> um, well, I don't, I mean, we, we would never no. ever uh, emphasize or, or stress that we, we, it's a skill or anything that we've, we've no. picked up. Very kind of you to say. Very, very kind. But to reframe that, if you're asking how to always get more out of, a, of, of watching a film and how to really sort of, um, if you want to have uh, develop a nuanced opinion or you come out of a film and you feel a certain way, but you want to really hone, hone in on why, then yeah, there are things you can do. I mean, podcast is a great one. Podcast is good, but also discussing it with who, you, who you've seen it with and, and, and really honing in on what, on what doesn't work. You know, I remember very early on learning that bad dialogue often equals bad acting. Yeah. So I realized that people often will fall short and just blame the actors, but I realized a bad script is the connective tissue behind all of that. You know, um, the, this stuff doesn't come out in a vacuum. You know, James and I for years, as many other people have, engage, engage with film criticism, engage in debates around it. You know, pub I used to read, go pub with friends, go cinema with friends, talk about it. I used to read Empire Magazine and then, or if it doesn't matter if Listen. it's Empire Magazine or like Little White Lies or Sight and Sound or or it's a podcast like this, just mm. develop it and really always think about, I think, I think that's the thing because in a way that this podcast has got us in the habit of, is I'll come out of something <laughs> and I'll just think, okay, how did I feel about that and, wh and why? But why do I feel that way? So if you mm. were bummed out, really think about why that was. Was it because, oh, it was slow. Okay, and why was it slow? Well, I thought it, and where was it slow? Well, I thought yeah. it dragged here. Um, just always continue to be curious. And the more you see, the more you'll be like, well, that film was able to do that better. Yes. And I've and, seen that film yeah, before. Where smarter, have you seen more that film done better um, yeah. before? What would you have preferred? And, 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 and what has that director done better? Just all of those things. And it will set you on... You know. And even though you're being very kind and saying that it's like a skill that we have, I think if you asked me and George, we would say that we're both always trying to sound clearer, better, more knowledgeable. And it is one of those things that's like the more you do it, the more confident you feel talking. And, and if I went back to earlier episodes of this podcast, I would be cringing at the way in which yes. I feel like I talk about a film. Also, and I still don't think I, I, I can always try yeah. to communicate an idea clearer. And also, you and I still see stuff and go, 
I have no thoughts about this. Yeah, there's often times we've seen something and go, well, I just don't have, I don't got to force a take from yeah. nowhere because yeah. I don't think it's interesting enough for people to hear. So therefore we don't cover it. Exactly. And I'm never, we're never going to try and see stuff that we're really not interested in. I think there's yeah. a line where we'll see stuff that I think provides value to you and yeah. hopefully to us, but we can't, you know, sit down and just watch stuff for the sake of it. If it's not going to interest us, it hopefully it probably won't interest you. Hope that answers your question. Yeah. That's all the emails we got this week. Thank you, Josie, for that last one. If you wanted to write an email into the show, as always, you can email hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we will read them out on a future episode. Thank you very much. Okay, George, it's the first episode of the new year and I thought I would start us off with one of our favourites, both between us and on social media. It is Castless Countdown. Oh, very good. Okay. This game, as our old listeners will know, but our new listeners might not know, is I am going to read the cast of a film from the order of least relevant mm -hmm. to primary cast member. And George has to guess what film I'm talking about before I get to the mm -hmm. end of that list for reasons, right? I will leave a sort of three to four second break between each name. Mm -hmm. And George has to shout out the film that it is. You can play along at home, in your car, in the bath, in the shower, <laughs> doing your homework. You Wherever you are, just scream, Tropic Thunder! <laughs> in Bruges! <laughs> And people will come over and ask you what podcast you're listening to. Yeah. And you'll say. <laughs> so, George, are you ready? I'm ready. Well, I think I've got seven rounds for you today. Oh, well, crikey. Well, I've, what, I've done an effort. What a time show. to be alive. It's new year. We're trying hard. Okay. okay. Film one. You have to guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Reg E. Cathy. Okay. Tim Blake Nelson. Great actor. Toby Kebble. Great actor. Kate Mara. Another good actor. Oh. Jamie Bell. Okay. Michael B. Jordan. Oh, okay. So hang on, if it's Michael. Last okay. one. So no, that is uh, Fan Forstick. Yes. Fantastic Four Fan from Forstic. 2015. Last one was Miles Teller. Teller. Yeah, God, that is the only good thing to come out of that movie is that is where Jamie Bell and Kate Mara met. But what a cast. You would kill yeah. for that cast. Now, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Toby Campbell, Kate Mara, Jamie Bell, yeah. Michael B. Jordan, yeah. Miles Teller. I know. That was round one. Sh shame about the movie. I know. <laughs> what a movie of two halves. We've covered it. We've covered it on yeah. the show. Next round. George, you have to guess the film based on its cast. Okay. Ready? Is that what we do? Based on its cast? Yeah. George, you have to guess the film based on its cast. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. Courtney B. Vance. Great actor. Michael Gladys. J.K. Simmons. Lee Byung-hun. Uh, Jason Clark. Oh, good idea. Jai Courtney. Amelia Clark. Uh, this is another shite film from 2015. This is, this is Terminator Genesis. <laughs> Genesis. I mean, yeah. um, that is a, yeah, that's a real stinker. My God, Matt Smith could also be in that Oh, list. Matt Smith. Where's my, oh, Matt Smith is in yeah, there. Sorry. Oh, yeah, there. my goodness. Wow. Okay, George, you have to guess the film based on its cast. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. Courtney B. Vance. Great actor. Michael Gladys. J.K. Simmons. Right. Lee Byung-hun. Jason Clark. Like, mm, Matt Smith. Matt Smith? Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney and Jason Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. 
Oh, this is um, this is the Terminator Arnold Genesis. Terminator. Oh, Terminator yes. Genesis. Yeah, I've what not a seen it. Stinker. I've not. Did you watch it? I watched some of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's some, to tell and you everything. You it. Yeah. Good lord. They since that. What did they do? They did Dark something after that. Uh, Dark Fate. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a generic title. That could be for anything. Yeah, anything, anything is Dark Fate. <laughs> yeah, there's a Dark Fate everywhere. Okay, next film. Okay, You have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Three, two, one. Catherine Waterson. Okay. Michael Stuhlbarg. Pop Kitchen favorite. Good cast. Jeff Daniels. Seth Rogen. Oh, oh my God. What a book. Kate Winslet. Um, Steve Jobs. And then the last one yes. is Michael Fassbender. Very good film, yes. Another great cast. Another stellar cast. Massively underrated Love film as well. I mixture keep... of comedy and, and dramatic actors. Oh, yeah. I keep meaning to rewatch it. It's... And just. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, no, Catherine Waterston, is she the his wife, his ex-wife? She's his, something. I can't remember she's what she something. is. I do you know who's do, also in that? Is Sarah Snook from um, She is in the very succession. beginning, yeah. yeah. Sarah Snook. Did I say Snook? Snook. Like someone I snuck in. Sarah Snook. Yeah, I would say Snook. That's an interesting story. Very good. It's Snook. Snook. Yeah, I know Snook. Do you? I grew up, I grew up with someone who was called Snook. <laughs> Keep saying it. It sounds yeah. weirder and weirder. Snook. The Snooks are coming over. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, the Snooks are going to be there. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is a, this is a big cast. Okay. And... Yeah, this is a big cast. I'll be interested to see if you get it straight away. It I on. can't remember if you've seen this film. Ready? You have to guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Elizabeth Debicki. Okay. Vanessa Kirby. Double Crown. Martin Henderson. Right. Sam Worthington. Okay. It's, okay. Emily Watson. Stacked. This is a stacked cast. Michael Kelly. Kira Knightley. It's big. Robin Wright. John Hawkes. Great actor. Josh Brolin. Bloody hell. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, last one. Uh, this is Everest. Yeah. Oh my God. That's last a, one. That's Jason Clark. Proper sandwich. And I didn't even mention everyone. There are more people, but yeah. I thought I've got no, like got. It's been 12 such a long there. time since I've seen that. Yeah. 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 Crikey. Robin Wright. I forgot she was in She is. There's like a the, the people at the base camp. Right. And then you've got everyone up to the Elizabeth Debicki. And they, oh, the yeah. Josh Brolin with his frozen hands in the water. Oh, God. Yeah. That film's not as bad as you think it is. It's not terrible, no. no. It's perfectly interesting. But then I think it, then it gets like, and you're like, oh, this is actually like a, a real serious real life thing. You're like, oh, but it's kind of billed as like a big blockbuster. Yeah. Like towering Everest. Inferno. Everest, what can go wrong? I remember I got Vertigo seeing it in, oh, in the, the cinema. The big with, with, with the big With the like um, going over the, what are they ca called? Ca chasm? Ca 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 <laughs> not cravat. Crevasse. <laughs> yes, the cravat. Yes. yes, that is Everest. Wow. So... Is that your last one? No, no. Oh, we got more. Oh We've God. got more. We got one, two, three, four more. Am I bonus bumper game? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, this is round five. You're doing very well. You have to guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Pete Davidson. Right. Tilda Swinton. Brie Larson. Ezra Miller. 
Daniel Radcliffe. Um, LeBron James. Um, um, John Cena. This is a train wreck. <laughs> yes. Wow, that really threw me. Bill Hader and give me, Amy give Schumer me, give were me that next. From the, from the beginning. It's again. a weird one. That's why I chose yeah, it. Because you've got, so you've got Pete Davidson, yes. Tilda Swinton, right. Brie Larson. Who's Tilda Swinton? In it? I can't remember. She, but she's I swear the, she's like in disguise or something. Something like that. Uh, Brie Larson, Ezra Who's Miller. Brie, oh, she's the sister. Yeah. Ezra Miller. Daniel Radcliffe. Ezra Miller. Oh, yeah, for a, intern, probably yeah. for a scene. LeBron James. Yes. As LeBron James. I remember that, yeah. John Cena. Yes, remember that. Being very funny. That, that was his first, like, kind of comedic. Yeah, yeah. Fully naked as well. Uh, Bill Hader and Amy Schumer. Wow. Wow. God, that was a good one. Uh, so I was interesting because it's weird, big car. You stop okay, so that was Trainwreck from 2015, wow, okay. Amy Schumer film. Next one. You have to guess the film. It's round six. Okay. You have to guess the film based on its cast. I hope you're doing very well at home. <laughs> First one, Bobby Cannavale. Right, man who did everything. Corey Stoll. Judy Greer. T.I. <laughs> T.I. <laughs> David Dasmalkian, sorry for the bad pronunciation. Oh, he's- um... Michael Pena. This is- Michael uh, Douglas. This is uh, Ant-Man. 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 What? Ant-Man. Just Ant-Man. Ant Not Ant-Man and anything. Next up was Evangeline Lilly. Yes. And, and Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Of course. Yeah. Um, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. He, it's weird. It's <laughs> a very random. <laughs> but it's a really random Bob Bobby Cannavale role. He's just like the father of the of his ex-wife. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's like, like the father of the, 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 the new husband. Surrogate father of his daughter. Yeah. 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 Yeah, good one. I'm trying to get some interesting people in I there. I see what you're doing. I see get what you're doing. T.I. Just okay. throw, just throw the, it's all about diverting the brain's yeah, okay. attention. Get you, well done. Second last one. You have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? In three, two, one. Keegan-Michael Key. Okay. Judy Greer. Okay. Catherine Hahn. Great. But. Tim McGraw. Thomas Robinson. Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie? Hugh Laurie? Raffi Cassidy. God, Hugh Laurie? Britt Robertson. Last one. Oh, oh, George Tomorrowland. Clooney. Yes. My God, not even seen George it. No. Very forgotten film. And a very mixed cast yeah, as well. well I no. do not know what it's about. I know it's based on a ride. God, yeah. But that film exists. Yeah, wow. And George Clooney's in it. But I remember it. it was a massive, massive box office uh, flop. Yeah, it looked expensive, didn't it? Hugh Laurie, yeah. Hugh Laurie's wow. the villain, I want to say. Yeah, George Clooney's had a bit of a bad luck of uh, flops. Yeah, but like George Clooney doesn't do that much, but like he turned up in 2015 to do Tomorrowland. Yeah, random. Yeah. I think they Last were hoping one. it would be the kind of... Oh, like franchise builder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, last one. And I don't know if you'll get this, but I think... I think you could get it. You oh, could get please. it. You're very Try good. Me, James. Yeah. Last one. You have to guess the film based on its cast. Okay. Three, two, one. Zoe Kravitz. Okay. Suki Waterhouse. Right. Octavia Spencer. Jai Courtney. Again. Uh... Kate Winslet. Naomi Watts. Oh, hang on. Is this like 
It's um, is it Divergent, Allegiant, Insurgent? Insurgent, but I'll accept either. The franchise they never finished. They never finished. They never finished yeah, it. So they just Ansel stopped Ansel making Elgort, it. You get Miles Teller, Theo James, and Charlie Woodley. Oh yeah, Woodley. Theo James. Why yeah. notice Theo James? Yeah, that so that series was passable at first. In a sort of we're coming Generic. off the Hunger Games, yeah, kind yeah. of like you know, teen dystopia fuck the man kind yeah. of thing and then really just they seem to just give up on it yeah was i mean that, no they literally did, didn't they they? did. Yeah. the maze runner is another one of yes. that brand yeah. it was all going after the hunger games yeah. sort of coattails and then it was just dead yeah but you, yeah because i remember the maze runner somebody got i think like dylan o'brien got injured yes and then it came out in like like two years after the bubble had burst on like the dystopian thing it was like yeah. the maze runner and everyone was like huh and, oh no! And no. you had um, what's the face from Game of Thrones? Be like, you'll never survive the scorch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Aiden yeah, Turner. Aiden yeah. <laughs> Turner just being that like he always had his own brand of like mysterious, grimacy, yes. villainous type. Ah. Yeah, good ones. But so, there you go. So, and then so yeah, I'm pretty sure you guessed it, but there was a th- I want to say theme, but something that links every single one of these yeah, films. Yeah, and what was it? Well, well, they're all from 2015. <laughs> That's why, it. Why were That's they all it. from 2015? What specific? Just fancy there. I just thought we'd throw in a 2015. It's a mixed year. One of those films. years that's like. It's kind of recent, but not now. I think this time I gave you some films which are not considered the all-time greats. There are some okay films in there. Oh, yeah, you put some stinkers in there. But I put some there. stinkers in yeah. there. Because okay. it's too obvious to do, like, the cast of Django Unchained. Fair enough. You know, yeah, it's worth putting in. But that, that, all the films, I think, great casts. Uh, fantastic Steve Jobs, cast. fantastic great, film. All, yeah, all yeah. of those great casts. I wouldn't yeah. argue with any of them. Yeah. Well, there you go. Those were those were lots of games for you guys. Thank you for staying with us while we record some TikToks for our social media channel and hopefully <laughs> provide you a game uh, for our show. But I hopefully you enjoyed that and you played along at home. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. And sometimes we post extra content as well, such as spoiler chats about things or in-depth discussions about stuff. Um... Also, Instagram, TikTok, you guys know we're on there. Please follow us. Please uh, like us. And uh, you might not be uh, subscribed to YouTube, but please come along and subscribe and give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star rating. Rate us on give Spotify, us a re- all of you, that. you can also review us on Spotify now, I believe. There is an can option you? to do that. You can comment on stuff now. You can comment or on Apple, Apple reviews, you can as yeah. well. All of that helps us and supports us and we really, really appreciate it. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you.